Welcome everyone to another episode of Talk with TT and I'm really thrilled to have uh, a lady I've known for a few years now, uh, Brenda Reed. Brenda, welcome. Thank you. It's really good to have you. Uh, you've been part of this church well for a few years, haven't you? How long? Since 1886. Wow, wow, okay. Gosh, so that's 20... No, 34 years. No, it's about 34 years, yes. Right. That's how long I've been in Colchester. But you're not a Colchester girl, are you? No, I was actually born in Hertfordshire. Okay. Um, in Welling Garden City. Yeah. Um, quite a famous house, which was Brock... Um, oh, the name's gone now, but it, it was um, a famous house in the, um, at the end of the war. And they actually gave it over to um, pregnant mums. Oh, wow. Wow. And um, people of the forces who, you know, they, if their wives were pregnant, they could go there. Yeah. And um, wasn't Brockenhurst house. No, it was a name similar to that. That's what I went to say, but it wasn't. It was no. a name similar to that. It might no. come to me. Okay. Yeah. So tell us a bit about yourself, um, a bit more than that. Right, well, that's where I was born. And then my parents um, moved to Tottenham. And I know that you've heard something about Tottenham from a certain <laughs> Mike Baker. Absolutely. And yes, we went to the same church. <laughs> um, like Mike and Brenda, I got married there, was baptised there. And then we, I moved out to Romford. Mm-hmm. Um, where I had my two children. I have two boys. They both have partners and they both have children. In total, I have seven grandchildren. Awesome. Um, one son lives in Czech Republic, very mm. close to Prague. So unfortunately, at the moment, I haven't seen very much of them. Yeah. But yeah. they do Skype and they keep in touch. And I get lots of pictures yeah. on WhatsApp. And um, my other... Sorry, yeah, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. My other son lives in Romford. Um, he has three children with his partner. And um, before this last lockdown, I did actually see them a few times. Um, but of course, we haven't seen them. But again, they keep in touch yeah. regularly. So. And, you know, you're being very sacrificial at this interview time because... Um, what listeners don't know is that Brenda loves her sport and um, uh, the snooker is on at the moment. Um, but actually, you like all sorts of sports. You go uh, watching Grand Prix. What sort of sports do you go and see? Well, I normally go to see MotoGP, yeah. which is the big motorbikes on the different circuits, um, go throughout Europe to watch them. Again, having my son, Steve, in Czech Republic, it's quite easy to go out there and then travel from there yeah. to different circuits. Obviously, I've been deprived this last <laughs> year, and yes. I think I might be this year as well, unfortunately. <laughs> um, I'm intending to get BT Sports so I can watch it because that's the channel that they show it on. Right. Um, but I also, I'm, I mean, I do watch superbikes, um, anything like that. But I, again, I watch near enough any sport. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the moment, I literally go, well, it has been the cricket, the tennis, snooker. That has been my, my day. You're amazing. 
I don't know any other lady that's into so much sport than you. And uh, oh, and of course you've got the rugby as well. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) So you're going to be watching Tottenham play on Sunday against West Ham. I will have it on. Yes. Um, I mean, they're not. They're very up and down at the moment. It seems once Christmas is over, they. Don't do very well, but yes, I, I'll still support them. Okay. But I also support Newcastle. Oh, well, so. we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Uh, is that that's not to do with Kevin Keegan and his era, is it? Or um, it probably goes back just prior to that, um, because I'm an Alan Shearer fan. Ah, okay. And yeah. I have been ever since he started football. Right. Um. So. Um, Okay. I mean, that's his team, so I help support that. Well <laughs> help support well them as well. So. Okay, we've got four questions that I've asked other members of the Diakonet. And the, so the first question is, if you were going to invite four people to dinner, whether on their own or together, who would you invite and why? So let's go with your first guest. Right, well, again, I thought people would probably be expecting all sports personnel. Yeah, that's right. But, but um, again, to get four, I would have had a lot of trouble. So I haven't gone with, um, I've got one sports person, but we'll come to them. Okay. So my first, my first person is John Glenn. John Glenn. The American astronaut. Oh, okay, yeah. Right. Um, he was the first American to actually orbit the Earth three times, and this happened in 1962. Mm-hmm. And he was the one who said that whilst he was in space, he actually saw the face of God. Wow. And he, um, I'm not sure whether he actually had a faith at that time or whether this, I, I, my understanding was that this brought him to faith. Mm. But he said these words, to look out at this kind of creation and not believe in God is, to me, impossible. It just strengthens my faith. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. Yes. And he was very fortunate. I mean, he went um, the first time to space in 62. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't worked out how old he was then. But he actually returned to space when he was 77 years old. Wow. As well. So there's um, hope for you yet. And What is interesting is that he came from a very humble background. Mm. His father was a plumber. Right. And he didn't have anything, but he just studied and studied and studied. And then obviously got into engineering and then interested in sciences and space and went from there. Because I've tried to sort of, I've also got a sort of selection of different people with different types of backgrounds. Okay. So I, I think, you know, that's very interesting. I think I'd like to hear more because when you read about different astronauts that went to space, nearly all of them say it strengthened their faith. Mm. I believe I'm right in saying that Buzz Aldrin, mm. first thing he did when they reached space was actually hold communion. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. And there was somebody later, James Irwin, I think his name was, and he actually became, when he came back and started to settle, he actually became an evangelist. I can't say it in the word. Evangelist, yeah. Evangelist, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Minister. Okay, um, good. And your second hmm. guest? Now, my second guest would be Franklin Graham, Billy Graham's son. Ah, 
Okay. Um, now, again, I mean, I mean, all right, yes, he's still with us. He's um, 69 years old now, but um, he had an interesting upbringing. I mean, he's obviously his father was a very public figure. Mm. Um, he went to a Christian school to start with, but when he got um, beginning of sort of high school, he actually dropped out of the Christian school mm. and actually went off to North Carolina to finish his high school mm. and training. Um, he became a Christian when he was 22 years old. And I would just be interested in knowing what it was like for him to be um, the eldest son mm. of somebody like Billy Graham. Yeah, yeah. Very because, interesting. You know, I've worked with missionaries um, where the children have felt quite pressurised mm. as though, mm. you know, um, religion's been pushed down their throats. So I, I know he supports and, and he's sort of CEO of his father's, all the different colleges, universities, whatever it is, training places that he set up. Yeah. But it would be interesting to hear the background of, um, of him. Mm. Um, Great. So your third guest? Right, my third guest is my sports guest. Okay. Um, and I would choose Ayrton Senna. Oh, wow. What an interesting choice. Right. Now, for people who perhaps don't know, he is um, a Brazilian Formula, or he was a Brazilian Formula <coughs> One driver, considered mm -hmm. by many to be the greatest ever. Mm. He died in an accident while leading the San Marino Grand Prix in 1994 at the young age of 34 years old. Mm. Um, he had been married um, in the 1980, but unfortunately his marriage only lasted a year. But at the time of this San Marino Grand Prix, he actually had a girlfriend. And after his death, she actually claimed that he had said goodbye to her um, just before the race but almost as though he had a sixth sense. Mm. He said a strange goodbye, as though he almost knew that he wouldn't be seeing her again, mm. that something might happen. Yes. Um, it has been said that um, he actually caused the accident, and the reason being is that at the time, that particular weekend of practice, there'd actually been um, two drivers killed, mm. and Barrichello, Mm. who was much more recent. He had an exceptionally bad accident mm. on the same weekend. And that there was a lot of criticism about the safety of the sport mm. and in particular about the barriers. Yes. And there is some claim that he killed himself to bring to the forefront the safety mm. um, aspects. Again... How true that is, I don't know. No, that's what no. has been. Okay. He had a completely different upbringing. He came from a very wealthy family with lots of money, very privileged upbringing, had no reason to mm. go into motorsport to make money, but mm. started off with go-karts like a lot of people do and just mm. generated the interest of speed. And yeah. In a way, I'd like to hear from him whether he did do it for yes. another bit. Um, you know, whether he, he had those feelings so strong that yeah. he had to um, do something about it. Yeah, 
That's, I've not heard that before. I know that he was a man who did explore faith, um, that he had yeah. uh, Christian faith. And um, But you're right. There was, I, I remember watching that Grand Prix when it happened in 94. Yes, I did. Um, and that, yeah, was it Ratzenberger or someone like that who died in an accident? Uh, what, yes, there was two two of them. Yeah, and um, um, there was great concern. Okay, yeah. your fourth guest. Right now, this one for a fourth one, I've taken a long time to come up with it. With them. Um, I thought about Esther. I'm actually reading through Esther and studying Esther at the moment from mm. the Bible. Um, because I thought, well, yes, there's a lot of problems with different racial differences at the moment. Um, then I thought perhaps Ruth might be a bit more appropriate. Yeah. Um, and then that didn't last with me for very long. <laughs> um, then I thought about Mary, but I must admit, I've listened to other podcasts and Mary was mentioned a few times, Mother of Jesus. Yeah. And then I thought about Joseph, um, who would have been like his stepdad. Yeah. And I thought we don't hear very much about him. We do. And yet he was, you know, and yet he was with Jesus all those years, um, teaching him the carpentry and probably, you know, different things. And I thought, would it be good to hear from him and his view? And I thought, well, I don't know. <laughs> I, You've got to make a decision think, here, Brenda. I know, it's, it's been very difficult for this fourth person. Anyway, in the end, I, I was thinking about it, praying about it, and I ended up with A.A. Milne. Oh, wow, that's not quite Joseph. <laughs> and who is A.A. Milne, if you don't know? A.A. Milne is the author of Winnie the Pooh stories, <laughs> as well as many others. Um, this... The stories of Winnie the Pooh is actually about morals of life. Mm. Um, he wrote them because of his own circumstances and bringing up his son because his wife was quite often away from the home. Um, and I must admit, I've read them time and time again, particularly the four main stories, but there's obviously side stories as well. Um, there's also books that they've done for... I mean, they're all for adults, really, if you read into them. Mm. But there's also books that were done, which I used to use in my work situation for training. They're sort of poo on management, poo on problem solving. Oh, yes, yeah, I've seen those. There's yes. philosophies and um, mm. the day of poo and, um, no, sorry, the, um, yeah, the day of poo and um, the virtuousness of piglet and, such like, and it's all based around those stories, but there are such a lot of morals in them. Yeah. Um, and who are you in the characters? Are you a piglet? Are I, you... think, um, I think I'm more a poo. Okay. Um, <laughs> because I'm one of those people that I would sit there and I would think about something, Yeah. but it wasn't bold enough to say it, but then wait for somebody else to say it or... They'd partly say it, and then I'd finish it off and come out with it. Yeah. And although I might feel a fall, somebody might come up afterwards and say, I'm glad you asked that because I was wondering about that. Yes. Um, so um, That's great. Wow, what a selection. A.A. also has quite, um, I don't say he's the only one. I mean, he, he wouldn't be, but he would be quite interesting to talk to because he's one of the few people that served in both world wars. Mm. 
Mm. He was in action in the first one, and then he was in the British Home Guards in the second one. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, he had a bit of a mixed um, upbringing. He had a privileged upbringing and ended up going to Cambridge University, but it wasn't through necessarily a wealthy family. Again, it was... Um, and also, um, thinking about it, he was actually taught by H.G. Wells. Oh, wow. Whilst his, his um, like, what we would call sort of the junior years. Yes, yeah. Uh, he met with, or he used to play cricket with J.M. Barry and Arthur Colin Dole. Wow. So he would have lots of stories to say. Yeah. Um, and I've got just a few quotes that I thought were very appropriate because, as I say, most of his stories were written as... Um, teaching Christopher Robin the morals of life. And mm. I've just picked out three that I thought could apply to us so much. Yeah. First one is, some people care too much. I think it's called love. <laughs> the second one is, you can't stay in your corner of the forest waiting for others to come to you. You have to go to them sometimes. Mm. Yeah. And then thirdly, I just put, don't underestimate the value of doing nothing or just going along, listening to all the things you can't hear and not bothering. Yeah. And I think, can that not apply to our church life? Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and they're all quotes from A. a. Milner. Fantastic. Okay, Brenda. They are four very interesting uh, guests. And well, you're I, welcome. And I will be very interested to talk to you about every one of them after you'd met them and what you learned. But let's move on swiftly to question two. And it's been a very challenging year for us, and we're still in that challenge. What has God shown you about himself and about faith during this COVID pandemic? Um, I think the fact that I felt, again, like a lot of people, I felt him very close to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been able to be still and um, I'm not very clever at being still and listening to God Mm -hmm. or to the message or something, you know, things like that to bring in myself. And in the days of Lindsay, she was very kind enough to take me along to a few conferences where they talked and we practiced being still and listening, different formats and, you know, but that's this lockdown has actually given me a chance to practice those. Mm, yeah. So, um, and I have felt that God is here and He's with us in every situation. Mm. Also, the way that He is using people to bring joy to our lives. Mm. Um, I'm very fortunate. Some people will know that I moved. I mean, I've been here nearly two years now, but um, the estate is still very. Um, new and we've got people still moving in but people set up a whatsapp group and it's amazing how they put on that and you know we're just off to tesco's or i've got a delivery coming would you like anything just to add it on so there's been a lot of kindness yeah yeah um also it's given me a chance that i've been able to share faith in a not too heavier mode if you like mm. um there was a little video that came around with a candle and it had council blessings and each little frame had a blessing mm. thank god for this and thank god for that and such mm. like and then 
right at the end, it was just, you know, you may God you comfort and peace. Amen. And I think that was about the only religious thing I would say was on there. Yes. It's amazing how many people responded. You yes. know, that's been, you know, that's brought me peace today. Yeah. So yeah. it's given me those sort of opportunities. Um, and people have been just as kind back to me. I mean, with different different ways, etc. And I think as well, with regards to the church, in, again, in particular, um, where we've been finding round people, it's actually given us, not just me, but other people, um, chances to talk to people that perhaps we wouldn't normally have a conversation mm. with. Good. You might say, how, how are you? Oh, yes, fine, bye. Mm. Um, and not really taking time with them. Yeah. The phone calls have actually given us time to talk to people and perhaps grow to know them more and just get to know them Great. Okay. Thirdly, the third question, share your a favourite Bible text and a hymn. Right. Um, this is going to be quite quick and actually refers back to two a little bit. Um, not because of the number, but Psalm 46. Oh, lovely. Um, and my hymn would be, be still in the presence of the Lord. Tell us about um, Psalm 46 then. Why that? Well, I smile because that 46 is the number of my, our favourite motorbike rider. <laughs> <laughs> That's very spiritual, Brenda. <laughs> um, no, but I, I think, again, it tells us that the, the Lord is with us, whatever we're going through. Yeah. Um, he's there to um, help and there to be um, our protector, um, yeah. as well as then knowing and he's actually almost commanding of us to be still yeah and that's the, the actually the richness of your selection psalm 46 yeah. verse 10 has god that's commanding right. us to be still and then your hymn is be still for the presence of the yes. lord and, and be still in the presence of the lord is very close to my heart um i mean i love the hymn but it's one that has been sort of a family um not morbidly, but it's been the quiet hymn of all our funerals. Mm, mm. It was my husband's, it was my mum's, it was my dad's. Yeah, it's a beautiful hymn. Um, it is, and I think it's a very um, humbling hymn in the yeah. fact that it can give a great witness yes. of our faith yeah. when it's yeah. sung, right? yeah. like, you know, particularly at funeral places where not everybody has faith. Yeah, yes. So, it's a very delicate, thoughtful, um, compassionate hymn in that sense, isn't it? Assuring of God's presence. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you for that. Okay, the fourth question. Now, you're our pastoral deacon. Goodness knows what a pastoral deacon does. Um, can you tell us what a pastoral deacon does, please? I was hoping somebody could tell me. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, the pastoral deacon... Um, I assume that I really coordinate the pastoral assistance and try to ensure that our fellowship, each fellowship member has a pastoral assistant. I try to support the pastoral assistants the best I can. Um, I'm here if they need to talk or if they have an issue or a problem. I know most of them because they are mature people, both in their faith and in the church that a lot of them will come directly to you or to Cole if they have people in trouble. Mm. But um, 
I try to encourage. Mm. I don't know if they would agree, the group mm. that, you know, our pastor assistants. Mm. But um, I also feel that people who are not necessarily labelled pastor assistants but are doing pastoral work, mm. uh, and they say to me, well, we, we're in a pod with these people or, when you know, we look after these people. Yeah. Um, and I think they need encouraging as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the only the only problem I have, and this sort of moves on to the next part of the question about the future, yeah. is that I feel sometimes we talk about the church being in the past and sort of having cliques of people. Mm. Um, and I feel sometimes when I talk to people that now pastoral care has got a little bit in the cliche of bubbles. Mm, I know mm. that we talk, you know, the government talks about being in bubbles, but I feel that some of the pastoral care groups have now gone into their bubbles. But what I'd like to see is the bubbles burst mm -hmm. and, you know, sort of extend. Yeah. Um, yeah. And at the same time, those that are giving pastoral care, just be aware of your own behaviour mm -hmm. and what you're saying. Um, you know, I, I get feedback sometimes that, you know, people aren't always very happy sometimes what's been said to them. Right. But um, sometimes mention, you know, well-being. But um, mm -hmm. I think we just need to, you know, be careful. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're always warned about the word that comes out of our mouth. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, I mean, everybody likes to think that there is pastoral care across the fellowship and there is a lot of good things going on. Mm. Um, but again, I think a lot of it is in pockets. Yes. And that's where we need to be careful. So your um, aspiration then for the future is that we're much more integrated. Um, and, um, you know, in churches that I've been part of in the past where we, we get comfortable in our groups. I remember one of it was a very big church in Chelmsford. Um, and we got people sitting in different pews on a Sunday. So um, <gasps> I know okay. it was really <laughs> radical, uh, very radical. And um, <laughs> um, just to try and meet people that they wouldn't normally see and say hello. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, yeah. But, and also, I think there's no excuses not to contact certain people. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, we hear so much about Open Door and the barriers that have been there in the past about the type of people that come into Open Door and should they come into the church and all this sort of thing. And yet that sort of thing is going on across pastoral care as well. Mm. You know, mm. So I think there's barriers still to be broken down. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. But, you know, there is a lot of good work. I don't want to finish on a, you know, sort of negative note. No. Lots of good work, a lot of good people doing it. And I think everybody's doing their own little bit at the moment. And I, and I would like to see it, you know. Yeah, and there's been a lot of creativity, particularly in lockdown, hasn't there, in terms of mm. people reaching out, um, you know, doing different things, um, you know, you know, just hearing about your story, actually, you know, the network in your estate and the WhatsApp groups. Mm -hmm. so people have created these WhatsApp groups. That's a mm -hmm. great way of showing care. I know some people have set up Zoom Connect groups, the house groups have expanded, new people have joined. That's right, yeah. um, so there are there's some really good signs, but we need to be very aware that we mustn't get too comfortable with our own little group. Mm. 
Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, it's been wonderful to talk to you. I mean, wow, what a guest list you have for dinner. And um, <laughs> and the thought you've put behind that and your, you know, your reasoning, it's just very different. An astronaut, you know, in a, a world global evangelist son, um, a Formula One driver, and then <laughs> the world famous Winnie the Pooh author. I mean, God, goodness me. And I love your, your choice of text, Psalm 46 and the hymn. Um, so that's, it's been wonderful to talk to you, Brenda. And thank you for all you do in terms of coordinating and the pastoral care you give so many people that often is unseen. Um, we're very blessed. So thank you for joining Talk With TT. That's all right. You're welcome. Thank you.